review, and then you had a list of things that you wanted to talk about? Well, my list of things was mostly just humorous things that had happened to me in the last few weeks. Since I busted my knee, I've been playing a lot more Legacy because I can't destroy people playing basketball, so I choose to then channel my hate towards Eternal Magic. Um, so I've been playing like twice a week, so I've had a number of humorous things that have happened to me. Um, but yeah, mostly I thought, now Conspiracy spoiled, we have a non-zero number of M15 cards, um, and Conspiracy has some, you know, some Eternal cards in it. Um, some are probably on the, on the fringe, some maybe are vintage only, um, but we could probably sort of walk through the spoiler and uh, talk about each of the cards. There's some wholly new mechanics that I think if you uh, jump around on the message boards, you will find people just butchering the rulings, especially like Council's Judgment. It probably took 80% of the Magic populace like 9 to 10 readings of that card before they realized how it actually worked. Um, you know, So we could probably go over those mechanics. And um, yeah, M15 is a little light right now. Um, there's a super squid that's been spoiled, but other than that... There's an awesome elf in it. <laughs> yeah, there's an awesome elf and a super squid. Um, yeah, so, so maybe maybe let's just... Um, so I think I think probably the one to start the discussion off with is Council's Judgment. Um, it's probably the one that's gotten the most uh, internet uh, rage on both sides of the uh, coin. A lot of people think it doesn't work the way it works. But anyway, the wording for our uh, audio-only podcast here is... Um, well, it's a sorcery, white, white, one, will of the council, uh, which is a new sort of keyword with reminder text. Um, starting with you, each player votes for a non-land permanent you don't control. Exile each permanent with the most votes or tied for the most votes. So breaking this card down, first of all, just, just talking about the new mechanic, vote um, is sort of a, 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 new, a new game mechanic, I guess. I don't think there's... Anything that currently votes in... No, I don't think so. There's a couple things where it's other people choose, but there is not anything called voting. Yeah, so voting, well, for you, the key things on this card. One is non-land permanent you don't control. So this is from the perspective of the caster, and I think a lot of people were getting confused when this card was initially spo uh, spoiled that, that the you was referring to the voter or the each player. It's not. It's... Uh, the you don't control is from the perspective of the caster, not from each player make, taking a vote. So um, you can't get your own stuff with it. So uh, the other thing that's unique about this card, um, besides the voting thing, um, is that it, this all happens on resolution. This is kind of like, you know, like the Cabal Therapy situation. It, it, you simply cast it, and then everything else is going to happen on resolution. So uh, if your opponent has a has an effect like uh, bouncing their batter skull, using a mother of runes, which is actually kind of irrelevant here, um, using a wirewood maybe to rescue an elf. They can do all that, then this resolves. And this all happens at once, and no one has priority while you're voting and doing the exiling. So, And, and finally, the other really important thing is that this does not target. So for all of you people who have blood running down your thighs over True Name Nemesis, I guess this is your answer, um, as you, as the... Council's Judgment Caster can choose your opponent's true name nemesis no matter what it is equipped with. Um, and if this resolves, you will likely get to exile it. So Sorcery Speed, a little bit of a downer. Three casting costs, a little bit of a downer. But it definitely has legs. So, uh, you know, what do you guys think of this? Well, you said it was a sorcery. Well, I think it obviously has to be a sorcery. 
giving yeah. giving an untargetable vindicate that's one white white at instant speed. Well, you can't hit lands, so let's get vindicate out of the question, right? No lands. Yeah, but I like it. Great analysis. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess Matt, what do you? So you can start. I mean, what, what what decks do you think this this, this is an obvious fit for? If, if anything, do you think it... reasonably? I'm gonna say this is gonna either fit into miracles as a one of, so they can deal with you know Liliana. Or sometimes Truant and Nemesis can be a pain, right? Um, but also, too, Death and Taxes. Death and Taxes is going to love this because sometimes they also have trouble with Truant and Nemesis. So having access to Nug Your Truant and Nemesis is pretty good. I mean, there are no other decks that really want this, I think. Like, I mean, anything that's splashing white. I mean, I know for Junk, Black, White, Green, I don't want this. I have Liliana. I have Zealous Persecution. I don't need a three-mana kill target Truna Nemesis. I can I have access to Melstrom Pulse and Vindicate, and those are strictly better in a lot of other circumstances. So being able to get a Progenitus or Truna Nemesis is a pretty rare occurrence that I would specifically need Council's Judgment for. I agree. I think most of the white decks that, aside from like Miracles, most of the white decks have something they'd rather be doing against a True Name Nemesis. And in the case of like a Stoneforge Mystic deck, a lot of the times that's just going to be bashing them with a batter skull or something like that julian yeah so what i think um i believe we wouldn't even be talking that much about this card if it wasn't for true name nemesis because if you think back it's um except for the non-target aspect it's kind of like vindicate and a bad version of vindicate and we hardly saw any play of vindicate lately like like it used to be like a one-off in some esper stoneblade lists but overall it didn't really make a big showing in legacy so this card basically reads destroy target true name nemesis and sometimes progenitus because elves is really popular these days but even though the card is really good um as you mentioned i think there are only two decks in the format i can see playing it and i don't even know if they really want it because i feel miracles isn't that concerned about true name nemesis um true uh, death in texas obviously is but i uh, still don't know i mean the, uh, the other solution would be like to have a ruined halo who also that's also like applicable against against some combo decks. So, I mean, the card for what it does is good, but overall it's kind of niche because what else would you really want to side it in against except for True Name Nemesis and maybe Progenitus? So, I don't know. You know, the other I'm card torn. that that you know does a lot of what this does sounds True Name was like O Ring or Detention Sphere, right? Just a versatile three casting cost sorcery speed white thing that deals with either an equip a creature. A planeswalker, right? I mean, yeah, and Ob- Oblivion Ring is much better with show and tell. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Uh, that, yeah. That's that's one place I really see this coming in is replacing the maybe one of O Ring or Detention Sphere in a Miracles deck, uh, because it can take care of like the Liana. Uh, another point though is I think that in a deck like Miracles, you can cut maybe one Terminus or one of your Supreme Verdicts because a lot of people a lot of the reason you're running like five sweepers is to get rid of true name nemesis now you can cut maybe one or two of these uh and that will also strengthen up your three slot which is a very uh very hard to fill up spot in that deck yeah yeah all right well how about a whole new deck i mean is there anything um you know it's versatile removal does this spawn a new deck i mean i i I wouldn't think so you know maybe land tax has been unbanned now for over two years and it really hasn't gotten any legs underneath it um you know some really heavy white deck you mentioned death and taxes i I think this card plays poorly with like thalia um so i don't know necessarily that a deck like that would consistently be able to 
find white white too when they've got their thalia out. Um, so I don't. It even might know be a I'm... one to two of though. Fair, yeah. I mean, I could see maybe a, a Maverick deck. Like I, I was watching some Star City streams, and a couple people were playing Maverick on stream and butchering it savagely. But in between misplays, I was noticing that you know a lot of those decks obviously they have they have problems with a, a resolved true name. I mean, a Maverick deck with their mana dorks could probably get you know white white one pretty pretty quickly. Uh, maybe a deck like Maverick plays a couple of these and then throws a you know a basic planes into their deck or whatever. Yeah, but I think the general problem in Legacy is like tempo-wise, this card is awful. Uh, can you imagine any other card in Legacy that's actually played a lot? That's three mana, sorcery speed, and just a one for one, and always just gonna be a one for one, unless you got a mind slaver going, then you can actually two for one them. But <laughs> I guess that that doesn't really count. Uh, that's going that's, deep. Yeah, <laughs> but that's kind of the same problem with Vindicate. You don't really wanna pay three mana and then just one for one, and always one for one, and at sorcery speed. That's like a, a pretty heavy commitment, and the general problem I see there. Yeah. So guys, does this become playable at black, white, white? Instant does what it does. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, all I, three I, colored is really rough, though. I think instant puts this card in a whole new category, you know, definitely. Um, but you know, as is, as is, I think it'll get play. Uh, we won't do any predictions here, but um, I think we all agree it'll see some play, but um, it probably won't. Because can you imagine they're like Jace brainstorm, and you're like, wait, response, council's judgment. Get you, and oh, then no. you're still behind a card. That's still okay. Yeah, I'd rather. Yeah, but then you two for one yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Meh. All right, moving on. Um, so I think that was really it for the white cards. Um, there's a man who poops spirits out, and there's a few other, um, sort of. Whoa, squirrel nest. Whoa, whoa. Well, we're only doing new cards here. All right. Um, okay. But I don't think any of them are particularly uh, eternal relevant. Um, moving on to blue. Um, I think there's two cards here we could discuss. I think they'll both be pretty quick discussions. But uh, the first one is Marchesa's Infiltrator, which is essentially, if you're old, um, like me, you'll remember Ophidian um, and Ophidian's dominant place in the blue creature department. This guy's a two and a blue, one one dethrone, um, and that's a new mechanic, which is uh, whenever it attacks the player with the most life, trigger, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Um, which is obviously sort of a declining... If you're attacking consistently and damaging your opponent, um, you would think they'd eventually have less life than you. Whenever it deals damage... Sorry, deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. It's a human rogue. So... So, my first thought for the card would be like, I would love to block the guy with a Deathrite Shaman when they tap <laughs> out on the third turn to play this guy. Yeah, I think the most direct comparisons would be like, why would you ever play this over like a cold-eyed Selkie, let's say? You know, or Edric, or Edric. Yeah, I mean, if, assuming I think you're only you're only talking about some kind of shell in which you're playing ancient tombs and blue cards, and you're trying to literally power this guy out. Oh, that fairy stompy. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. So I tune myself down to 18. I play my Chrome Mox and I cast this guy. Um, now I'm at 18, so my dethrone should probably trigger. Um, that's an interesting thought. And then they play a Deathrite Shaman on their turn one that blocks and kills this. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, that's right, because have, it'll have triggered. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but it, it triggers when it deals damage, not when it deals No, so the, the, the dethrone will trigger. Oh, attacks. Ah, okay, not deals damage. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's ah, the only okay, reason so this is even in the discussion is the fact... I'm assuming you're going to find a way to make it a 2-2 when it first attacks. Otherwise, I think it's it, it's cat litter. 
Alright, so I know what we need to play this in. We need to play this with the best card in the entire Zendikar set, or the entire Zendikar block, not Jace the Mind Sculptor, Death's Shadow. I thought you were mentioning Fetchlands now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I, I would think it's some kind of a C Stompy shell. Maybe um, those decks tend to stall out. You know, you don't, unless you can get a Sophie online, you're, you know, you tend to drain your hand really quickly. Um, they also, those, I think this guy pairs well, would pair well um with any kind of bounce you know which that was the principle behind the old ophidian decks or shadow mage decks um yeah, as you're drawing more bounce from the extra card draws you're just bouncing all their blockers and ruining your opponent's turns as they try to slam their blockers back down so did somebody say waterfront bouncer <laughs> yeah yeah waterfront <laughs> bouncer um i guess if this was a merfolk this thing would be uh this thing would be pretty eh, he'd still be worse than cold eyed Selkie, i think nine out of ten times yeah, if it was a uh, a Murfolk, you would hardly ever trigger the the uh, you know the de dethrone. Right, right, right. All right. Well, anybody have any strong thoughts on this, or does this look? I think it's garbage on the fringes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe in vintage humans because that's a thing. But like you said, I don't know if you wouldn't just play cold-eyed Selkie, other than the fact that your cavern can make this guy uncounterable. Or shadow mage infiltrator and have an actual invitational card in your deck all right moving on um the the other card that's maybe worth mentioning here um and just just because it's an interesting card to look at for purposes of comparison is plea for power plea for power is a three and a blue so very little color mana requirements starting with you each player votes for time or knowledge if time gets more votes time walk if knowledge gets more votes ancestral so three blue unfortunately sorcery um, so I think the most direct comparison to this would be something like Concentrate, which sees no play, uh, or maybe a card like Factor Fiction, which is an instant. Sees almost no play. Sees almost no play, is an instant, um, and even skirts uh, skirts things that disallow draws. Um, any thoughts on this? Well, I actually have a thought. Uh, a couple of friends and I were actually talking about the whole taking an extra turn and how many mana is that worth, because we know... That five mana for one extra turn is totally fair. That's been done many times. So I'm surprised that they actually haven't pushed it to four. Like, we know two is obviously too good. Three is too good, unless you're flipping coins. Right. But four, like, maybe would would four have been too much? I don't know. I think, I think personally, for design, I think I would have liked this card better if it's like, oh, if it's tied, you get the extra turn. I don't know. Three cards is a lot of cards. I think I would actually rather draw three cards than take an extra turn. I yeah. I just want them I just want them to see pushing the extra turn to uh to the limit. I mean there's 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 a couple of reasons you want the turn more. One is you have creatures, two is you have planeswalkers. Like that's you know, or you're about to go nuts with something in vintage. But assuming legacy, I think the, the, the turn is better when you've got obviously creatures or or Planet planeswalkers. Models. Yeah. Um I guess I guess when you're looking at something like concentrate which isn't played and will never be played. You know what holds concentrate back? Is it just not good enough? Period. Is it the blue blue? Because if you're just going to get the three cards most of the time, you know, is this better? Is this okay in something like a a Tezzeret stacks deck um, that has access to copious amounts of colorless mana? Um, even then, I would probably compare it to something like Tezzeret's Gambit, which doesn't see any play, can be cast for just three. Um, and can fiddle with chalices and tangle wires and things and draw you two. Um, 
I, I don't know. I think it's fringe playable. I think if it was going to get played in anything, it would be in something like a Tezzeret Stacks deck, where you've got Tombs and City of Traders and Fast Mana like Mox Diamond, um, and you and you'd have Planeswalkers out. So getting the Time Walk is actually really really good when you have Agent of Bullets out because. Yeah, but you're never gonna get the time walk. Then it's it's like uh, <laughs> always the same problem when you play one of these cards that give your opponents choices. You're always gonna end up with the worst choice for you. But and let's let's be honest. Hmm. How bad is it to just oh man, I have to draw three cards? Oh no. Yeah, but then you like we we're just saying you could just play concentrate and people aren't playing that. So all brainstorm. Yeah, I think your deck's gotta have chalice, gotta have fast mana. I think, and even in a Tezzeret agent a bullet deck which I've played a ton of since Baleful Strix was printed. Uh, the four mana for me is is about the limit, and it's filled with Planeswalkers and, like, Smokestack and the Abyss and things that are just absolute nutshots. Um, and this this probably isn't that. Um, also worth noting, like, some of those decks are... I, I prefer to have lots of permanents in those decks, and this is this is yet another yeah, thing that can... And, and like like a stumpy shell, this card is kind of flawed in the first place strategically because you're not gonna make use of your fast mana, and then you're just tapping out, drawing cards. Yeah, that's good. But then you allow your opponent to catch up because you spent four mana on not impacting the board, and the entire deck is kind of built around on on using this advantage you get out of the soul lands. And this card, I don't know. I think there are enough cards, mostly planeswalkers, that impact the board and can provide card advantage that this won't see any play in any of these decks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It doesn't impact the board. So you've drawn a bunch of cards, but most Stompy decks want to play an, a Chalice or a Trinisphere or some other locked piece. Um, so, all right. I guess that's it for Plea for Power, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I also found this other really cool card, and uh, if we look at it, it's one blue. It's called Stifle. <laughs> and it counters an activated or triggered ability. Do you guys think this will see play in Legacy? Oh, uh, no, not at all, man. Who who uses activated abilities? Well, you know, I think that card's really good with Phyrexian Dreadnought. Oh, man. I think we found a new combo, guys. <laughs> and you can you can stifle standstill, right? Like, yeah, that's you can a good stifle play. standstill. <laughs> Josh, can I stifle standstill? Yes, you can. <laughs> that's my favorite thing about stifle being in this set, because I've already seen it once, and our store didn't even get very many boxes to do drafts, was watching people not know how stifle works. And it's uh, maybe it's a little bit of Schadenfreude, but it's really funny to watch people try and like one mana counterspell something. I got you right. No, <laughs> no, no, you don't. I can't count the amount of times uh, when my opponent tried to stifle Viavod Symbiote. <laughs> I mean, they can stifle it. It just won't do what they think it does. I mean, people have stifled standstill. I've seen all kinds of stupid shit. I, there's a reason that you shouldn't go play Magic with children at draft night. Stifle the counterbalance trigger with a Sensei's Divining Top out. <laughs> All right, moving on to uh, to our red cards. Uh, Pickens are pretty thin here. There's a bunch of shitty goblins and shitty ogres and a big shitty mythic dragon. Welcome to red in the last years. <laughs> yeah. There is one card that is at least probably worth talking about, only because of the role of your life total uh, being a factor on certain cards in the last couple of years, but he is the treasonous ogre he is an ogre shaman for <laughs> three in a red he has dethrone he is a hurloon minotaur he's two three and um i think the only relevant text the text if this guy ever gets broken that will that will cause him to skyrocket in value is pay three life colon add red to your mana pool so interesting in that this guy is 
I mean, one of the first guys that just comes down and lets you kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Only if your life total is like an increment of yeah, three. Yeah, <laughs> increments of three. Um, you know, other other things of note, you know, if you play this guy off of a seeding song in something like a Belcher deck, you, assuming you've got 20 life, you can throw 18 through him and net yourself, what, uh, two? Right, six. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but you, you, you could have had the season song like in the first place. So, oh, <laughs> so, so yeah, he's uh, he can net you two mana, and you can go to two is the other thing. And if everything goes wrong and they force your Belcher, you are left with a Hurlund Minotaur, I suppose. <laughs> and they play Delver and pass. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't. Well, it's actually quite guy. interesting because it's got synergies with uh, with dethrone. It does. You pay life just to grow it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh man, this card is bad. <laughs> yeah. So, any any thoughts on this guy outside of Belcher, which obviously has so many mana spells now, I can't possibly see them, you know, wanting this guy. Well, I could see him comboing with Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is pretty good against Stace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, combos with Death Shadow, but there are so many ways already to to burn your life total down that um, I don't think you. Oh, want it'd be easier to just mirror it yourself. I I've got it, guys. Mirror universe. You get yourself down to two, and then you just exchange life totals. And then, and then they stifle the mirror universe. Oh. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, I was trying to find a red card that was uh, even remotely playable in this set, and I failed. If we look at uh, Provoke from this set, it's a green card. It actually looks like the guy from uh, Monsters, Inc. <laughs> Let it be. I'll take the old Korean art over the new crappy one. Um, Aw. All right, so moving into... Um, uh, moving into gold cards, there are there's a legend um, in this set. Um, he's maybe worth talking about only because of the colors he's in. Two white blue legendary creature spirit, Brago King Eternal. He's he's flying, um, and when he deals combat damage to a player, exile any number of non-land permanents. Sorry, target. I guess that's important. Target non-land permanents you control, and then return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. So. He's basically a 2-4 evasive guy, legend, that can flicker all of your stuff uh, that isn't a land. And he's a spirit for what it's worth. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, you need you need to have stuff with a lot of enter the battlefield triggers to really abuse it. But I think you could definitely build around it. Yeah. Well, you can also basically uh, alpha strike and then untap all your dudes too, right? Even if they don't have enter the battlefield triggers. You could also just that's cast also a restoration angel. <clears throat> That's true, you could. But then you wouldn't be playing with this cool conspiracy guy. I can't think of a compelling reason to play this guy. I mean... EDH General? Yeah, so that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, if this guy was either batter, like, well, I hate to say this too, or had Hexproof, um, he, he just needs something to protect him. I mean, I, I, he can't be bolted, he can't be abrupticated. But man, without either Flash, Hexproof something uh just being or being bigger just being bigger yeah this it's a tough sell to play this guy over i don't know a vendillion click or just anything you can play and disrupt your opponent i mean if you have a bunch of stoneforge mystics and stuff that's going to be awesome when you flicker it i don't know i just get the feeling it's a classic case of you're probably winning anyway but how many times is flickering Stoneforge Mystic worth it? I mean, if it's in play, you've already searched once. So at most, there's two more equipment in your uh, in your library. Yep. It also detaches your equipment that's already attached. Yeah. Well, you can choose any number. So. Oh, any number. Okay. I don't see. I don't see the card right now. Yeah. But like, 
yeah, anyway, and being a legend and not having hexproof is probably more of a detriment in Legacy at this point anyway because your opponent's crack is just bounces it. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, unless anybody has some compelling reason to continue discussing this guy, I think we can move on. I think we can move on to Pernicious Aid, which is really looks not too bad in the new frame old Matt, art. Matt, stop talking about old cards in a new set. <laughs> oh, but all the new cards <laughs> suck, though. Wait, 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 wait. They don't suck. I've got one for you. Dak Faden, Face one of the blue red, Planeswalker, Dak. Three loyalty, so three loyalty on a three-mana Planeswalker. We know that's a good starting point. Um, plus one, um, target player draws two cards, then discards two cards, so a targeted Faithless looting. Uh, minus two, gain control of target artifact, and it doesn't have the reminder text, you control this when Dak Faden leaves the battlefield, So, um, but you do. Um, they're trusting us more and more. Yeah, they're, they're exactly. They're putting trust in eternal players. Uh, and his ultimate is a minus six. It is you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell that targets one or more permanents, gain control of these permanents. So Dak Faden. Uh, I'll start off with this card. This guy looks almost tailor-made for vintage. Um, you know, his, his plus one is is insane with Goblin Welder. Um, it's also insane when, like me, you get your Blightsteel in your hand, 9 out of 10 opening draws. Um, he's insane against other Blightsteels. I mean, they basically can't tinker for Blightsteel when this guy's in play, or if they do, when you untap and play this guy, his second ability uh, leaves him around, and you have a Blightsteel. Um, it's also interesting to note that the, the plus one is targeted, which is a lot different than the other looting cards that we've had in the past, uh, with the exception of, like, Cephalid Coliseum. Pretty much all those other effects are you, so if you have a card like Spirit of the Labyrinth or Chains of Mephistopheles out, um, he just says, Mind Rot, target opponent. Um, oh, I like the Chains of Mephistopheles combo. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he's he's versatile. He can get to four loyalty and thus avoid being bolted. Um, I, I think... The minus two in, in a format like Legacy is just not that compelling. I mean, stealing stealing equipment, I guess, is okay. Um, you know, oftentimes the equipment's already done its work if you're having to deal with it at sorcery speed. Um, it's also worth pointing out that when you steal equipment, it remains attached to the thing it's attached to yeah. until you change what it's attached to. So if you grab their batter skull, they can still whack you with it until you pay five to equip it. Or three to I'm mouse. sure or someone... Someone who yeah, has to our podcast will do that. Because it yeah. goes back to their hands. Yeah. So anyway, for Vintage, I think this guy will be a monster. And he also has the keyword pitches to force, of course. And, um, you know, <laughs> I, I, he's a monster against shops if you can get him down early enough. Being one mana cheaper than Jace puts him, you know, at least in the in the realm of being castable against shops. My assumption, too, is you're probably on some artifact-heavy deck as well, so... You should be I like off. the idea of you going, uh, of your opponent going, Tinker, Blightsteel. You're like, okay, Dark Faden, take your Blightsteel. Your turn. Your opponent dro uh, drops Dark Faden. No, my Blightsteel. <laughs> <laughs> and then you keep going. <laughs> I really like the, the, the emblem is interesting. I don't think it's good enough, but I mean, I just think it would be really cool where you're like, oh, minus six, whenever I cast a spell that targets one or more permanents, I'll be like, oh, fire ice, I'll use fire, I'll target these two things. <laughs> it feels it feels like it would be fun. You're kind yeah, of if you're minus to... sixing him, you're really showboating. I mean, you, you're, you're either on, like, infinite turns with Vault Key and you're just having fun, or something has gone very wrong for your opponent if you have Faithless looted, like, four fucking times and you're able to get the emblem. 
Yeah, I, I think the problem with the emblem is like in vintage or in legacy, how many cards target uh, your opponent's stuff and don't destroy it or bounce it? Um, that's one card, Pyroblast, and I really feel like in no, really, yeah, because that's like not terrible. miracles, yeah, miracles, uh, like the American version that Joey Lawson plays, always. I mean, not always, but kind of has the problem that Pyroblast is sometimes dead. And I really feel Dark Faden could be very good in Miracles. Because the plus one ability is good. It's really good. The minus two ability, okay, well, whatever. It's, it's okay. And if you get to ultimate it, your Pyroblast suddenly actually become, like, better mind controls. So Except they can't target blue things, because otherwise he'll just kill them. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I can live with that. Now I want to use oh, Pyroblast to steal a Mox. That's what I want to do. Or Liliana, right? You'd be like, Pyroblast your Liliana. Oh, wait, it's mine now. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, I didn't I didn't think of that in Miracles. I guess he also maybe could, um, again, another another card that really doesn't see a lot of play, but you get you get red, white, blue, and you have land tax in play. Um, you know, his plus one is fairly insane. That's true. All in all, I don't like this set. <laughs> all right, well, we'll try to get through it. Um, oh, we're still going? <laughs> yeah. I think it's generally more casually oriented in the first place, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's better than Journey into Dicks. Um, <laughs> anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, all right, what, another gold card here, and this one is... Um, uh, I mention him only because he has he has some comparable cards who have seen play in eternal formats but uh dax duplicate um creature shapeshifter two blue red you may have dax duplicate enter the uh, battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield except it gains haste and dethrone so we have a basically Whoa. a clone only when you clone um you have a hasted blight steel and if your opponent has more life your blight steel is now slightly bigger so after combat, you will have a 1-1 Withered Blightsteel. Um, what about this guy? I mean, we've got Metamorph, uh, which has seen a reasonable amount of play, mostly because it can copy artifacts. We have Phantasmal Image, which has seen a reasonable amount of play in Merfolk decks or decks in which the thing that you're going to be imaging has uh, either Shroud or Hexproof. This, this is a little scarier in that for your opponent anyway, in that the thing you copy gets haste and might be slightly bigger. Um... Thoughts also is a zero zero like all the other you know metamorphs, so can be tutored up with recruiter and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. Four mana is a lot for you. Listed all those cards that do almost the same thing for significantly less mana. You should also note that that doesn't really combo with show and tell. If you choose this and your opponent chooses Emrakul, you don't get to copy that. Yeah, yeah. But if you just let it resolve, untap and copy Emrakul, then they're fucked. <laughs> Yeah, that's super <laughs> fucked. Because <laughs> you have a hasted, slightly bigger Emrakul. Um, all right. Well, anyway, just just uh, worth thinking about, and and you know, also worth noting. I, I think most people know this, but none of these cards are legal in modern. They're only legal in eternal formats. Actual eternal formats. All right, a couple more to go. This one is pretty interesting. Um, he's he is Grenzo Dungeon Warden. Uh, his casting cost is X, black, red. He is a legendary creature, Goblin Rogue. So being a Goblin Rogue is almost always a good thing. Uh, he's a 2-2. And Grenzo Dungeon Warden enters the battlefield with X, plus one, plus one counters on it. Um, and he has an ability, uh, two 
colon, put the bottom card of your library into your graveyard. If it's a creature card with power less than or equal to Grenzo's power, put it onto the battlefield. Um, so I guess what immediately comes to mind is that this is some kind of uh, anti-terminus card. Um, unfortunately, the designers of this card don't realize that Goblins is probably one of the best decks against fighting Terminus <laughs> because they can just True. continue to shit more Goblins out. Um, and any seasoned Miracle player will probably tell you that that goblins, if you're if you're not playing moat anyway, goblins can be a really, uh, really tough matchup because of their ability to just overwhelm uh, overwhelm you with card advantage. Um, so he's a goblin who's as big as you want to make him, uh, which that's okay, I guess as well. Um, the second ability, again, it's constrained by the fact that the dude has to have power less than or equal to Grenzo. So uh, unless you're doing something silly with him you're unlikely to be able to do any reanimate show-and-tell style shenanigans where where the guy that you're pulling off the bottom is is absurd in some way, um, barring something stupid like a, a Triskelion or a zero zero that doesn't get its power boost until it comes into the battlefield. It's also worth noting that Tarmogoyf's Splat Splat is um, it's static, so in all zones, Tarmogoyf will be bigger than Grenzo in all likelihood. So... Um, it's also Termogoyf will be in your graveyard when it checks itself. So it will, it yeah. could possibly grow itself and make it so you couldn't get it. Yeah. I mean, you could, you know, the, the, there's a bunch of cards that put stuff on the bottom of your library. Most of them suck ass. Um, others like there's Jotun Grunt comes to mind, obviously. Um, getting Terminus comes to mind. There are several shitty Soldever, Soldevi Digger iterations that have been printed over the years. Um, most of which suck. Um, Preordain's not terrible. But anyway, just as a goblin, yeah. Any any thoughts on this guy, Sam? You you played miracles quite a bit. Uh, you see this being a goblin uh, staple well, that could hurt a miracles well, deck. When this uh, was first spoiled, I went through and looked at the most recent times that goblins had done well in major tournaments, and you can have this guy enter with X equals zero and get a fair amount of the goblins deck. So that is pretty good, but four mana to get one extra dude one time six mana to get two extra dudes i don't know if that's worth it unless you happen to hit like lackey which is just insane or something like that i I just don't think he's gonna be worth the investment that you put into him i think he's actually really good with that treasonous guy that we were talking about before where you can pay life for mana so you can be like oh i'll pay like nine life to give this guy some counters and then you'll pay some more life six life actually (laughs) to use the ability so, no, this guy's garbage. All right, well, what's the best-case scenario for a goblin deck? Probably their vial is on two, right? Because who gives a fuck if he's bigger than two? Two gets you everyone, right? Gets you your ringleader. I think two is one of the... Wait, what? I, I, think, basically, I think basically what you want to do is flip Warchief off the bottom and be like, oh, all my guys gain haste, and then you vial in, like, Siege Gang Commander or something. Well, I'm or saying, you do it- end of turn, you, your vial is on two. They, you know, your vial is on two and you keep this guy in your hand. If you're playing against a Miracles deck, you basically should always have this guy in your hand, almost like a counterspell, right? Um, because he guarantees that if you get Terminus and you have this guy in hand with a vial, that you can get, you know, X divided by two guys back, where X is the number of, ma- well, the amount of mana you have access to, right? So basically, Siege Gang Commander on the bottom would be pretty darn good as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So he has two power, so he satisfies Grenzo, so you could shit your Siege Gang back out from underneath your library. And and correct me if I'm wrong, Terminus, I get to order the creatures as the person who... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 
Which yes, most people just ignore because they're going to end up shuffling later, but this is a case where it actually matters. Yeah, yeah. And I think I like this actual, like they're actually starting to explore the whole bottom of the library thing, which is something that we haven't really gone into in a long time, except with like sold every digger or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's especially cool with how many things put stuff on the bottom of the library because, and we're talking about miracles. We've got Terminus. You've also got Jace the Mind Sculptor. I don't know if you've heard of him. He puts a lot of stuff on bottoms of libraries, and this guy just responds and goes, Yeah, I think I'll have that card back. Unless it's land. land. <laughs> oh, next level, bitch. Uh, all right. Well, you know, outside of Goblin decks, it's probably going to be tough to find a home for this dude. Um, I play a lot of Dega, and I don't even think I want him in Dega necessarily because um, he doesn't really have a lot of ways to protect himself. He doesn't hit especially hard. Uh, so anyway, um, also worth noting, I guess, uh, I need to look up the the wording. Do all the ringleaders force you to put the matched types in your hands? Let's see. Yeah, ringleader. Sure, but... I think they put yeah. Yeah, put all goblin you. cards. All right, so you can't choose to put a high casting cost goblin on the bottom and then use this guy to cheat him into play. So that would be that would be another cool interaction. But uh, oh well. All right, so so there's Grenzo. Any anybody have any closing thoughts on him? He's he, he will probably pop up at some point in a goblin list, but um, likely to not make any huge waves, right? This is this nah, is another guy, so. uh, like a lot of the new printings in this set, that is maybe playable in Eternal and just absolutely insane in EDH. Yeah. Because you cast this guy as your general at like 12 and then just like show and basically show and tell every card in your deck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've played Black Red Goblins, not to derail the fucking podcast into the world of Neckbeardy EDH, but... I, pl- I played a lot of uh, 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 Warp Bogart Annie, um, like super aggro degenerate Warp Bogart Annie with all the black tutors and then a goblin shell to find. And, you know, it's hard to believe he'd be much better than her. She's insane. She's regrowth every turn for, like, your fucking goblins. So it's tough to imagine he'd be much better. But anyway, a couple more cards. The next one actually is, is a potential card in uh, something like Reanimator, Magister of Worth. So this is... Four black white creature angel flying four four will of the council. When Magister of Worth enters the battlefield, starting with you, each player votes for grace or condemnation. If grace gets more votes, each player returns each creature card from his graveyard to the battlefield. Um, so, you know, like a super living death or Twilight's Call. If Condemnation gets more votes or the vote is tied, which I anticipate will be the majority of the cases, uh, destroy all creatures other than Magister of Worth. Um, Julian, what do you think about this in something like a Reanimator deck? Would this replace anything? Would this? What situations would you want to use this in? Well, I think it's okay in this kind of deck. Um, it's... You obviously always, basically always destroy all the other creatures, and it's competing in the same slot like Elish Norn and Blazing Archon against all the Swarm aggro decks. So usually you're behind whenever you get a creature to the table, so it's either going to be Grizzlebrand and you're going to abuse the lifelink to stay in the game, which is a problem because once they actually destroy their own creature, um, you, you don't really get the lifelink. So there may be situations where you want the Magister of Worth, um, but most of the time you will probably just want Elish Norn to kind of recover. But I can see people trying it, and I can see it being good in a certain number of, of games. But overall, it's it's got a hard time competing against Elish Norn, but I can definitely see it being worth <laughs> Magister of Earth. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Think. I mean, it's not a legend, which is... Oh yeah, that's that's really interesting. 
It's also like show and tell, kind of like, oh, it can come in and, you know, I'll destroy all creatures and, you know, that seems okay. But it's actually a strict upgrade to Megiddo the Lion. <laughs> Fucking hell. <So, laughs> I think there are a lot of cards that are strict upgrade. <laughs> uh, overall, I think, I think the card has some game. I mean, it's possible they say, hey, everybody wants to return their stuff, and your opponent makes a mistake and realizes that you've actually got way more stuff in your graveyard, and you just destroy them. You're probably but winning that all... game anyway if they haven't been paying attention to your graveyard and you're playing Reanimator. <laughs> eh, that's true. But also, too, I mean, even six mana, like, I guess you could try this as, like, a one-of as your, like, really top-end in black-white control or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, six is attainable uh, in in some formats. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of any other, you know, one other interesting interaction with this guy is, like, in an Oath deck, um, so, if you're, if you're mixing and matching creatures, um, you know, maybe this guy could, I don't know, I, Blazing Archon is just better, uh, just, yeah. Uh, you, you have the recently printed, um, what's the name of the Archon, um, the new Archon, the one that exiles a permanent when it comes in play? Ashen Rider. Ashen Rider, yeah. Um, Ashen Rider is also quite a fisting. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It would, it would be compelling. I guess, I guess two couple things. One, it's not a legend. Two, there is a hair's chance that you could actually cast this. I mean, it's six, and the color requirements aren't insane. So, so a Deathrite Shaman's come down on turn five. Fair enough. You could curve into this. Yeah. All right. Uh, any, any more thoughts on this? Probably, probably not a whole lot outside of Tribal Angels and or uh, Reanimator. Right? I do have one thought, and that's you mentioned this in Oath. And if this thing wraths in Oath, that seems really bad for the Oath player as the other as your opponent <laughs> now gets to Oath. Yes. But you can still keep your your um what's it called? The the or card untapped and give your opponent another creature. Afterwards. Oh that's right, you're right, you could do that. But if they fuck up really <laughs> badly, there's a chance you have a bunch of really cool stuff in your graveyard, and if they choose uh, Grace, maybe because they're a practicing Christian or something, then you get all your stuff in your graveyard back that you Somehow didn't put on the battlefield because there was... Yeah, somebody somebody will put together a really sweet Mind Slaver with the council deck. <laughs> All right. I failed there. All right. Uh, moving on to our last couple of cards here, and then we'll be done with this set. Um, we have artifacts. Um, most of them are dreadful, and several of them actually can't be played because they have the reveal X as you draft it keyword, which I think any of the ones that have that, I believe, are not... Is that correct? I haven't read that. I believe they're legal, but they don't do anything, so it doesn't matter. Kind okay. of like all right, so you can get kind of like uh, Polina the High City, which is a rare and taps for colors based on what you say when you draft. So if you were to play that in Legacy or Vintage, it would tap for nothing. Or the thing that says "Roll the Planer Die." Uh, I forget what that thing's <laughs> called. What do you mean you don't have a Planer Die? <laughs> uh, I think yeah, it's fractured Power Stone, right? The, the plane chase thing. Yeah. It's a shitty Mind Stone that says, roll the planar die, activate this ability anytime you cast sorcery. Unfortunately, it, it, the rules are ambiguous. It, it says that the ability will have no effect, but it doesn't say that you can't activate it. So in theory, you could play something like Factory Power Stone and Vintage, activate the second ability, and then just sit there. So uh, if you're doing that, you're probably drunk <laughs> or high or both. <laughs> anyway, um, there was one artifact that merited a little bit of discussion anyway, probably only for Vintage, but um, it would be Coercive Portal for Artifact. It's a mythic. Will of the Council, at the beginning of your upkeep, starting with you, each player votes for Carnage or Homage. If Carnage gets more votes, uh, sacrifice Coercive Portal and destroy all non-land permanents. Um, if 
homage gets more votes or the vote is tied, draw a card. Um, so I think the only thing that this could possibly get any any sniff in would be some would be a workshop deck. Um, I think it's an interesting card only because I think it's it's uh, it's a bluffer's dream. So this is all happening at your upkeep. Um, so obviously, if your opponent has some kind of board advantage um, and and they're winning, they are likely going to vote homage, right? Um, which which will essentially give you a personal howling mind. Um, if they're losing and they have no board state, they'll probably vote for Carnage, but they'll also know that you'll never vote for Carnage because you have a personal howling mind, so you're going to you're going to vote homage. Um, at the same time, if you have stuff in hand that you've been sandbagging, you know, you can bluff a little bit with this card. Um, I think it's an interesting card. I don't know that it's better. You've got other things like Staff of Nin if you want to go over the top um, yeah. and a number of other cards, but it's definitely an interesting card to to put in a workshop deck which sometimes struggles playing off the top um i mean worst case you just animate this guy with like a car and beat the shit out of your opponent with it but the the, <laughs> the card itself is is just interesting it's an interesting card and i hate to use the skill tester here but it's definitely like a skill tester and it would let you maybe expand upon your bluffing skills um what, what does everyone think of this this pile of, pile of i'm just going to interrupt right, right now because just so we know that i've got to go but i'm going to leave the call going yeah so, if we're all good, sorry, I can't stay. It's all right. We understand that you uh, you have other needs. It is the will of the council that you I do. leave. Uh, so good. Yeah, it's definitely a coercive portal. It's definitely interesting because uh, Workshop can almost certainly, well, not almost certainly, Workshop can frequently cast this on turn one and almost certainly on turn two if they draw it. But I don't see this being more than a one or two of. Maybe in like a welder slaver build where you can get this thing back all the time and you can do the votes for them, that would be pretty neat. Well, I mean, we're obviously not talking about legacy applications, so I mean, in vintage, you, you already mentioned it that you probably want Staff of Nin because it's got like more utility overall. But I think basically, it's basically always just going to be your personal holding mine, which is okay, especially in, in um, workshops, but. Overall, I think you know, I, I think people will stick to Staff of Nin, but you can definitely try it. If you want to go and like, have the cards sooner, you will probably play it like at least one turn sooner than Staff of Nin. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, another, another comparable would be something like Bottle Cloister, which you just can't afford to play in Vintage because, obviously, if it gets bounced, you get mind twisted. Um, I guess another thing would be if you're playing a bunch of Null Rods, this thing just sits there and isn't affected by Null Rod. Oh, that's that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I've seen it before. Like people, there are these versions of of stacks or workshops that really use Nilrod. Yeah, the yeah. popular version is is uh, that you're going to see Nilrod in is the version that's going to also play Smokestack and uh, probably go with the full thirteen spheres, uh, Smokestacks, Null Rods, and likely three or four Crucible of Worlds. And um, and this thing sort of ensures us. I mean, you'll never vote for Carnage. That's like the most permanent heavy version of Workshop. But uh, ensuring a steady stream of cards to keep up with your own stack until you can get a Crucible in uh, is not bad. Um, again, there's a lot of competition. I mean, anytime you're talking about vintage and sh and shops, you're talking about you know 20 plus years of cards that this thing has to compete with. But um, but yes, with Staff of Nin seeing play, I think that's a decent comparison. But um, Anyway, that's all I had on that guy. I don't know if anybody else has any more thoughts on that. I, just This is making me think, uh, how frequently is somebody going to stifle Will of the Council? Because uh, on, can you stifle it? 
Well, on almost all of these, they're triggered abilities. Like, at the beginning of your upkeep, do X. Oh, oh you mean that's okay. Or, like, oh, a yeah, yeah, worth, it's when it enters the battlefield. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was yeah. thinking about the white cut. Is that also a trigger? No, that that just happens on resolution. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, anyway, overall, an interesting set. I, um... I haven't gotten any yet. I, I'm waiting to get it in not English. Um, unfortunately, the set was only printed in Chinese, Japanese, and English. Um, no German, Julian, so you're out of luck. Oh, I'm so sorry for all my German friends who want to draft that. <laughs> well, they can always uh, send me all their German cards. <laughs> um, you like them? You like the Samen Schaukelhexe? Uh, there's a certain tiering of languages that I like, but sometimes German is just over the top in terms of the absurdity of the number of consonants in the card, in which case German takes uh, takes precedence. That or the presence of the word Gedanken usually puts it over the top. <laughs> but what's it with you, Americans, and Gedanken? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that it, it flows from the mouth well. It just sounds better to Gedanken verb than it does. Or, you know, oh, there's so many Gedankens. That's uh, uh, brainstorm, brainstorm, isn't it? Yeah, Gedanken Gedankenverbal is, is brainstorm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what Gedanken means? Thought, right? Yeah, thoughts. It's plural. Yeah, yeah. Um, another another fantastic German Gedanken is Thoughtlash, a reserve list uh, diamond uh, from uh, alliances. And that is Gedanken Opfer. <laughs> That's a thought sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Card's fucking fantastic. It's one of the few cards that lets you just app just exile your whole library for blue blue two. So if you have uh, if you have your lab man out, you are you are set with Thoughtlash. Uh, but that's for another podcast. Um, so uh, we have a few M15 cards spoiled. Probably not a whole lot worth talking about here. Maybe like three cards. Um, I guess the we'd start off talking about the the what do you call it the community card waste not. Uh, it's probably got the most discussion around it. Uh, this one's been spoiled for a little while, but Black One, whenever an opponent... Uh, sorry, it's an enchantment. Uh, black One, enchantment, waste not. Whenever an opponent discards a creature card, put a 2-2 black zombie token onto the battlefield. Whenever an opponent discards a land card, Basil Thrall. And whenever an opponent discards a non-creature, non-land card, draw a card. Um, so there's been a bit of discussion around this card. I think anytime you have a card that basically says do nothing until you do something else. It usually knocks the card back a bit. So Waste Not by itself, if it's just sitting there, doesn't do a whole lot uh, unless your opponent is moving to their discard step because they don't have any lands, in which case you're probably winning <laughs> anyway. Um, I think the assumption with Waste Not is that you're going to be pairing it with the plethora of black discard effects. Uh, the problem being that you have to spend a card in Waste Not to enhance the abilities of your Lilianas, your Hymns, your Thought Seizes, um, you know, your your winds of change, your whatever other goofball discard cards you're you're playing with. So I think it's an interesting card. It's got legs. I think I applaud them for getting the casting cost down to, to one black. I think there was some early thoughts that the casting cost might be it might be three CMC. Uh I think we all agree if it was one black, it would have a lot of legs. It would be completely nuts. Yeah. But at black one uh, it's tough. I, I, I just keep thinking, unless you're ritualing this card out in, like, a Pox deck, that you're going to draw it on turn five when a Delver is about to take your last three life and just want to rip it in half and set it on fire. That's the exact problem I see with this card. It's, like, so conditional. And even if you trigger it, the chances are you won't even be able to use it, and you will just take your life and you draw it, like, anywhere later than turn four. I mean, what kind of deck would you build around it? Pox? Yeah, like, that's 
probably even the only deck I could see running that card. And even then, I don't know. Uh, like, both decks, usually when you play Pox, are playing from the top. And if you make them discard a land card, which will probably not even happen because they will just play it out, maybe... I mean, it's so, so incredibly conditional. And from a competitive uh, point of view, conditional cards always have a hard time like being actually playable. And that's my problem with Waste Not. I have a, uh, a friend at the store who's been uh, playtesting this in Pox, and I will say this card is nuts on turn one, just because most of their deck is going to be activating this card. <clears throat> so if you've got, say, Swamp, Ritual, Waste Knot, and a discard spell, you can either do the discard spell to make sure Waste Knot resolves, or, resol- or get Waste Knot down, and then immediately get an ability out of Waste Knot. It's uh, in the first couple turns in Pox. Every time I've played against it, Waste Knot has just been absolutely insane. But that's a pretty narrow uh, place but for it to be. Then you could also Dark Ritual into Liliana. Yeah, but Liliana only gets that. you slight incremental advantage. It only gets you one card a turn. You just get your other spells that get you all the cards. I don't know. Yeah, but then they just play a Diver and you're behind. Then you get your 2 2 Zombie <laughs> and they still got the Diver. And. Then you maybe get some mana, and they still have the dive. I mean, yeah, Pox of, of course, Pox has ways to deal with creatures, but I think if you're talking about like like a dark ritual based deck, there. I mean, your friends did the testing. I didn't do it, so maybe I'm wrong on this. But I feel there are other and better cards to dark ritual out. I mean, not a lot of better cards, but especially Liliana overall. Well, and that also depends on you know we're talking about having to have three cards in hand, so it kind of depends what you have. Uh, yeah, one place this has. Want... I mean, I can think of cards off the top of my head that I'd rather have in Pox for Black 1 that are going to sit there. I'd rather have Chains of Mephistopheles 9 out of 10 times. Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, I can... Uh, Pox decks have no shortage of making bad 2-2s with no evasion. Like, that's not a problem. You often can't do anything with the extra Black Black. I mean, yes, the nut draw is Dark Ritual, Waste Knot. Thoth sees you. Take fucking something. Make yeah, a zombie. You... Is that that great? I just... I, I don't think it's... I mean... The, you can uh, play the card that makes them discard a non-basic land and then use the two mana to play Dark Confident. Ostracize. <laughs> that, yeah, that, I think your opponent would just quit and go home if you Dark Ritual, <laughs> Waste Not, ostracize their only fetch land, use the other two black to play Skittering Scourge and beat them to death with it. <laughs> where, the, uh, where the zombie's been most effective for him has generally been when you get a zombie super early, like you turn one Thoughtseize away a Delver or something with this out. And then you just continue to wreck their mana base so that they never get anything out, and you just beat them to death over ten turns with a two-two. I think not a pox that, deck not is a great probably going to. Yeah, but, but. yeah, I mean a pox deck even without waste knot is going to pound rug delver so hard. Like, what the fuck are they going to do against a deck with like eight basic swamps, wastelands, you know, fucking innocent blood? They're, that's a they can stifle scroll deck. rack or not scroll rack, uh, curse scroll. They can stifle curse scroll. They can stifle curse scroll. <laughs> they can stifle your nether spirit trigger and and keep it at bay for a turn. I that's a great matchup I think anyway. The best, I just the best use for stifle is the wasteland, I guess. Yeah, I mean if if you're too poor to afford chains of Mephistopheles, maybe you put this in your pox deck. But I, I yeah, I don't I don't. Um... And well, let's be honest. If you're playing pox, there is a strong chance that chains is uh is not within your budget. Yeah, that's true. I guess you can use it with recoil, you know, from what's that? From invasion. Oh, I'm a for yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. colorless, a blue and a black <laughs> instant return target permanent to its owner's hand. Then that player discards a card. So if they're hellbent, you actually get to choose how to trigger and remove one of their cards. 
but that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, a lot of hype. I think the community tried to, I, you know, the community cards have the have the issue of, you know, they can't be broken in standard, right? So like, uh, and in general, they tend to be very Timmy as well. Yeah, and like if they made this black, one black, you know, I think it would be a playable card in, in eternal formats. I still don't even know that it would be fantastic. Again, it's a miserable top deck. Um, but one black, you can go Ritual Waste Not Him to Turok and immediately trigger it twice. Yeah, that's swinging for the fences. Um, but, I mean, you could probably go Carnifage Him to Turok and win a lot of games, too, on the first turn. So <laughs> Anyway, I, I guess that's it for Waste Not. I, you know, a lot of hype, but I don't think it really... Uh, I, don't, I don't know necessarily that it's going to be a dominant card. Um uh yeah and back to this new set um there's a few fringe playables so maybe worth talking about i don't think it'll take a lot of time but like void snare um an interesting card for burning wish based combo um it's i believe the cheapest sorcery speed bounce so it's essentially return target non-land permit to its owner's hand for blue and it's a sorcery um probably not enough this card if it was an instant you would love it if it was an instant yeah, I, I could really see like some kind of tempo deck developing. Yeah. With this card. If it was instant. Sorcery is, is nah. Because now you can't really hit equipments and it's nah. But instant wise, I think Vapor Snake, for example, always has been on the verge of being being like playable in Legacy. And people have played it and I can see people playing Vapor Snake in like dedicated like mono blue tempo decks. I mean it wouldn't be like a tier one strategy, but it would be a strategy. And a card like Void Snare would like perfectly fit into that. Yeah, with Snapcaster Mages just making your opponent's life miserable. Um, all right, we got a couple more cards in M13. Uh, one of them is uh, it is a squid, which I think Sam pre-bought a hundred of these squids. <laughs> what are you talking about? A uh, Chasm Skulker? It is the Chasm Skulker. Two blue. Get ready, creature horror squid so this is a nightmarish <laughs> squid from the depths of the sea um he is a one one when he enters the battlefield um but he reads whenever you draw a card put a plus one plus one counter on chasm skulker when chasm skulker dies put x one one blue squid creature tokens on the battlefield where X is the number of plus one plus one counters on Chasm Skulker. Worth noting, the tokens are not horrors. But they have Island Walk, which is to say they are unblockable in Legacy. Yes, sorry, with Island Walk. This spoiler site has betrayed me here and didn't put that in the in the actual uh, uh, text of them. So, going back to our Sea Stompy type um, deck, you can power this man out and have a 1-1 one, one with no evasion. You can untap and then have a Grey Ogre. Um, anyone see, I mean, the, the obvious card that you're going to look at when you see this guy is, wow, if I have this guy in play and I fucking brainstorm, you know, sweet times. The The issue I have is that we've had a guy named Lorskill Quaddle who's been around for, I don't know, five years, something, six years. And, um, it, it reads a lot of the same, um, doesn't have the cool squid poop thing when it dies, but, uh. Basically, has seen zero play. I can't remember the last time I saw Lorscale Quaddle in Legacy. Um, Sam, thoughts on this? Since you got one tattooed on your left ass cheek, <laughs> um, I think uh, it's definitely really cool. Um, the redeeming ability of this is the fact that it leaves something behind. So when they inevitably kill this, 
you're not just left, you know, with your dick in your hand. But at two blue, that's a fairly steep investment for most decks, and they're probably going to bolt or plow this thing before it gets very big, and it's going to poop out maybe one or two squids that they're not really too worried about. Well, if you, uh, if you it, play this guy conservatively blue? and leave a blue up, and they bolt it and you brainstorm, then you've got them. Oh, then you've got just such value. I think the isn't the mana cost like uh, a single blue and two colorless? Yes. Because that's what it says oh, yeah. in the spoiler. Yep. Because uh, oh, you meant you you meant like two blue, two and like a blue. leaving a brainstorm, playing it and leaving a brainstorm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, leave a brainstorm. Ah, so. okay. Yeah. I was just going through the spoiler. I think um, the problem is if they start to plowshare it, well, you don't get anything. Yep. I also think uh, another problem with this is, like you said, a stompy type deck would really like this, but a stompy type deck is probably going to have. A hard time casting their own brainstorm because of chalices or trinospheres or something of that nature that just makes this an even worse proposition i guess on the flip side maybe they can't cast their removal so you can slowly build this guy up but yeah, yeah i like this guy i just don't, don't, don't want to do in stompies you know you want to be winning the game on the fourth fifth turn you don't want to be dicking around with a horror squid um <laughs> i'd rather just be smashing somebody with a sea drake equipped with a sword of fire and ice all right, poor squid. Um, the there's a couple more cards. Um, one is one. Uh, hold on, let me get the name of this thing. Uh, it's not on Magic. Magic spoiler: You are now not officially the. There are some cool names in this set. Avarice amulet. I don't care what that does. That sounds awesome. There is also meteorite, which I think is sweet. But um, I think flavor wise, it's cool. Yeah, the flavor <laughs> on it is is outstanding. Um, uh, here, one well, let's do Meteorite. Uh, Meteorite says um, it's five. When it enters the battlefield, deal three damage to any target, and then it can tap for colorless mana. So obviously not a legacy card, but um, worth noting that in Vintage, this card, this card does a few things that no other card does for a shop deck. Um, and it's been maligned a little bit in some of the, the Vintage message boards. Um, but it, it does one thing pretty well. If you have a Null Rod and or your opponent has a Null Rod or a Stony Silence out, it can kill Jace dead if they've just brainstormed, which is popular in, in Vintage. It also can kill a Trigon Predator dead um, to the point where if I were to ever play Meteorite in Vintage, I would have mine altered, and underneath the rock there would be a Trigon Predator squished, dying with its entrails hanging out <laughs> from underneath it. With Maybe with Jace tending to him, trying to... <laughs> yeah, trying pain. to revive him so my lodestone golem stuff. Come on, Trigon Predator, what's going on? No, please don't die. No, get up, <laughs> get up, man. Um, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but I mean that—that's about it. It's you know, it's probably a vintage-only card. That um, um, it's also cute with Goblin Welder. But if you have an active welder, uh, you could probably do way more degenerate things than just meteorite bombing people. I'm gonna lightning bolt you every turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. Like Triskelion, the other comparable to that, obviously, Triskelion, who for six gets you a 4 4 body. Trike doesn't work under a null rod, but it's Trike, so it's better in many other ways. Um, I guess none of you play vintage shops, so probably talking more about Meteorite is going to bore you to death. Um, I would like to play vintage shops, but the shops alone are like over two grand now. I mean, how much more is a shop than an underground sea? Uh, about 150, 200 right now, I think. Fuck it. I'll I'll keep playing blue until I uh, get another bonus or something. Well, if you come to Eternal Weekend, you'll have plenty of opportunities to play against shops, and then yeah, I'm one... sure I will. <laughs> when is Eternal Weekend? 
Uh, sure. Yeah, let's talk about Eternal Weekend. So Eternal Weekend um, is the is where the Vintage Champs and the Legacy Champs that were formerly yeah, I know. Oh, well, I'm not, this is for our listeners, Julie. Not not all. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Everyone <laughs> is as smart as you, Julie. <laughs> yeah, sorry. not everyone's as worldly as you. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so they're not at uh, you know they're of course not at Gen Con anymore. Um, Top Deck Games hosts them, and this year they're the it's the 24th through the 26th this year October. Um, okay. So last year it was over Halloween weekend, and it was or the weekend after Halloween weekend, and it was an absolute fucking blast. Um, you get um, I've already booked my suite. I'm ready to go. For those of you deciding, and a similar thing happened last year. There was a Legacy GP within I think two weeks of this. Um, yeah, I I think I think the advantage of Eternal Weekend is if you're powered or have bazaars or something, you basically get two shots to win. Um, whereas with a GP. Two or three bad hands on day one, and your weekend's essentially shot. Um, you know, I think if you don't own power, you you don't own any vintage cards. Probably the the GP in New Jersey is a maybe a better deal for you. Um, but also worth noting, this is in Philadelphia, right downtown by the Reading Market, so it's a great time. Restaurants, booze, everything around there is awesome. Um, whereas the GP is in Edison, which is kind of like an awkward suburb of Newark, about an hour and a half away from the city, or any meaningful just far enough that you can't go into the city like each night you can go in one time yeah (laughs) which is kind of how dc was oh dc is a fucking failure i mean being out in dulles is they should be not allowed to even call those washington gps because they're not even close you know was it like miles away or by public transportation it took us i think an hour and 10 minutes to get to the capital (laughs) <laughs> and that was then, off traffic, that's like, right? That was like off. That's like they have, they that have was, an airport. That was in the middle the of the day with no traffic, and I think yeah, it cost us yeah. $9 a person to get that far. <laughs> and the cabs were like 75 bucks. Okay. We have an airport here in Munich. It's called Airport Munich West. And nobody really knows where it is because it's like over two hours away from Munich. That, that <laughs> is basically what says. Dulles is. Dulles is like an hour's drive west of Washington, D.C. if there's any kind of traffic. And... The tournament organizer for the GPs in Washington, um, they rent out this bombed-out Sam's Club slash Walmart uh, that they call a convention center. You know, that's a giant empty box. It, that sounds terrible, but that's an excellent description of what the place was. It looked like an old warehouse store. It was like in a strip center, and yeah, that's it's an excellent description of the experience. It's completely miserable because it's isolated from any real public transportation. There's basically no hotels. And the one that's in the parking lot doesn't give a convention rate. The ones that do are actually across the highway. So when you look them up on Google Maps, they're like 0.8 miles. So you're like, oh, I'm going to walk to the convention center. And then you realize there's a goddamn 12-lane highway in between you and the yeah. fucking convention center. And you have to walk six miles to get to a bridge to go across and back up to get to the place. So Yeah, the all the convention hotels were, uh, were actually airport hotels. Which, yeah. on the okay. plus side, meant that all of them had shuttles to the airport, which could get you public transit into D.C., and shuttles to the convention center. That was pretty much the only positive of that, though. Yeah, and I started off 4-0 and then drew two shitty hands and dropped and went to go eat. So Anyway. Are you guys also going to come to uh, GP New Jersey? I don't know. I'm still torn, because with Star City doing the GP, you know it's going to be an awesome GP. Uh, they've already said that they're looking into doing a big vintage side event, which really pushes me towards it but i think until there's more information about what the side events at both events will be i'm gonna hold off because i probably can't afford the vacation and the flights to go to the uh northeast twice in a month yeah yeah 
I mean, it would be awesome because right now we are putting together uh, uh, like an European legacy team to go to the GP in New Jersey. Uh, we, we are having like Philip Schoeniger and Bara, Mark, we had on the podcast like earlier this year. And I'm still not sure if I can go because, um, I mean, I think I can afford it. Uh, but we, are also, we also want to go to the Star City Games like I think one or two weeks later in Richmond. So I would need like 10 days of vacation and I'm still not sure if I can make it, but I mean... It's Don't you all Europeans get like six months of vacation or something? No, or that like just the 31 French? days per year. No, that's like 31 year, days per year, but we got like a lot of bank holidays. Sam, don't you know that Germany props up the entire European economy? Their people can't work. Everyone I, else I, is a debtor state. That's, that's what I've heard. Um, all right, so yeah, worth noting the, the New Jersey GP, which is legacy, is November 14th through 16th. So this year there's a reasonable gap between Eternal Weekend. I guess reasonable being a couple of weeks. Um, so that could be one thing. You all could come early and then hit Eternal Weekend and then hit the GP, the legacy GP, if you guys are powered. Uh, I think that's no problem. I never owned power in my entire life, but I've always played power, so <laughs> that's always a way. Yeah, well, that's because you bought all of our power, because the euro was worth $2. Yeah, people have been talking about this, like, several years ago, all the power went to Europe. That is why. The euro was 2 bucks it's to... The, the euro, and wasn't Star City running vintage events that did not require power, but they were yeah. giving away power, so you get it and you say, well, I don't need this. Ship it to Europe, where they will give me... You know, a euro for a dollar for it, which is pretty freaking good. Yep, yep. Anyway, the few Americans like myself who are still powered, we, we still try to bear the torch. All right, back to our set review. We'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, there, There's a couple more spells that are perhaps playable. One of them is Ulcerate. Black. Cool name. Yes, um, Ulcerate. Sounds like what Julian had to deal with with his patient uh vomiting blood on him ulcerate black uh, target <laughs> creature gets minus three minus three until end of turn and you lose three life so the obvious comparable here is on one side disfigure and on the other side dismember is there any reason to run ulcerate over either of those two uh kills bigger stuff but hurts you yeah i don't know again good in death shadow i think dismember just is always pretty much superior because Dismember gets around Chalice 1. Your worst case scenario with Dismember is you're paying 4 life, so you're paying 1 more life than Ulcerate, but you're often going to be able to kill Tarmogoyf. Well, and if we're, if we're comparing it to Ulcerate, then we're assuming we have Black Mana, which makes Dismember a lot easier to cast, because you you're probably not paying that 4 life, you're probably paying 2, or maybe even no life. Yeah, that's also very fair. Um, so I just don't see this, and I don't see this replacing Disfigure. I think... If you're playing Disfigure in your deck, you are principally concerned with the first two to three turns of the game and dealing with your opponent's Death Ray Shaman or their Delver or their Mother of Runes, right? Um, I think any of the Bug Delver de decks that play two or more Disfigures, that's the principal concern. I guess late game, maybe you win Tarmogoy fights with it, but generally, that's what you're trying to accomplish with Disfigure, right? Yes, definitely. Julian, any thoughts on having a query uh, ranger targeted? I'm still looking up the card. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, as you mentioned, like this is like this figure, but I mean, I, I can't really see a reason why I would want to give like an additional minus one, minus one, but also pay three life. So overall, I think this figure is way superior. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing tremendously oppressive right now with three ass. 
that this card addresses that Disfigure doesn't address, right? Um, yeah. Like Wild Nacatl, you know, it, <laughs> it doesn't see a lot of run because Delver is stupid. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and even with the, like, the, if there was a creature, you could still block and Disfigure, and then it dies to your Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, another victim of power creep. I'm sure it'll be a staple in standard where removal is fucking miserable. Um, I don't know. I, the other card I saw was it was just an interesting card. was Military Intelligence. We've talked a lot about Edric. This is blue one. Whenever you attack with two or more creatures, draw a card. Um, kind of falls into the category of Waste Knot. Doesn't do anything by itself. Um, you know, is super conditional. Um, and even more miserable, actually just triggers once, even if you attack with a thousand creatures. Yeah. Um, so I really can't see that getting any play. Especially when for one more you could play Edric. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about Legacy, whenever you're actually in a position to attack with two creatures, you're pretty well positioned. Right. So I don't know if the, about this card. I think you'd probably be better off playing the man who has forecast, who lets you draw a card when you tap your fucking judges familiar. I forget his name. He's a giant knight. Um, giant knight. God damn! All right, hold on. Magic cards. That info. Court Hussar. No. no. Sky Hussar. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was that was played on camera at uh, SCG a month and a half ago. Some guy was playing a deck with Sky Hussar and a bunch of other crazy stuff. Martyr of Sands was in the deck. Is it a blue or a white? Oh, it's white and or blue creatures you control. Yeah, yeah. So I think I would rather have Sky Hussar nine times out of ten because it implies that I've got two creatures and they're probably small and they probably suck. So. You know, attacking with Curse Catcher, Judge Familiar isn't that impressive, but if I can use Sky Hussar and just draw cards, I think that's better. And then eventually I'll cast a giant 4-3 Flying Knight that untaps all my guys and crush you. Julian is just lost. He's like, what is this fucking knight you're speaking of? Is it a knight of the Valkyrie? I, I, I know None of these Hussar cards are good. Because it used to be a combo. Can I natural order for this guy? <laughs> is this guy... This card has no text. Please die. <laughs> You see me looking at the card and not my head and be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> see, this is what's nice about having Sean on the cast is he knows all these cards that were good once that are terrible now that maybe we could combo something with. Yeah, or have always sucked, but I have an obsessive-compulsive disorder with, like, you know. Sean, you're the kind of person who, I, who I'm sure saw Hexmage spoiled and immediately was like, oh, yeah, the 27 German Dark Depths that I have in a shoebox. <laughs> I do have quite a few German dark decks. Dunkler Tiefen, yeah. Dunkler Tiefen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so that, that's it for our set so, review. Oh, there's Actually, one more. Like, we've got Julian on oh, here. Definitely we, we can't one more. skip the elf. Oh yes. Sorry, sorry. I thought this guy was so obviously good that we didn't almost have to discuss. <laughs> go, go on, Julian. Talk about your new elf. So, like for me, this is the card I've been waiting for ever since I picked up elves, and that's Reclamation, Reclamation Sage. It's two colorless and a green, a 2-1 elf shaman. When Reclamation Sage enters the battlefield, you may destroy target artifact da -da -da -dum, or enchantment. Yes, oh, please. You Thank you. <laughs> and it's a 2-1. Thank you so as much. As opposed to 2-2 two -two for Viridian Shaman. But I think Sean will let me get away with it. I think this guy is strictly better than Viridian Shaman. <laughs> yes. This um, guy. Yes, he is. I love this guy. I mean, yeah, mode, yeah, you get an additional auto mode. Like, your, your out before was like Death Chairman, but but 
generally speaking, it's just more utility, and it's the kind of utility you really want, because you've seen people play, like, Crosali Pride Mage in the past, and I remember um, LSV saying that the only reason he's running the Pride Mage is that he really, or I think they ran Pride Mage, that they really don't want to be cold to, to like, something like Moat, and with this card, uh, you can feel even better about, like, not having a Pride Mage, which, which I think is wrong in the first place, but... This card, man, um, it also kills counterbalance, and I feel like the main application is going to be killing counterbalances. Because in the Elves vs. vs. Miracles matchup, you very often get them to a point where they put the top on top, and then you just Reclamation Sage and kill the counterbalance. And you even get to do it again, because yeah. you bounce it with Viridian Shaman, uh, uh, Symbiote, I mean, Viridian Shaman. It's actually a cool card, but it really has to go, and Reclamation Sage seems so good, I might actually consider playing a second copy but i don't really think that's justified right now but definitely gonna have like a foil english copy for my f stack you can also green sun at some absurd cost that the counterbalance player will be unable to deal with find him and bin the counterbalance well, yeah as with viridian yeah. shaman like i said three is such a hard spot to hit already in in a countertop deck so there's a good chance that if you are just casting this from hand that they won't be able to counter it with their counterbalance yeah there's also i mean one of the ideas is to start running like one or maybe even two Cavern of Souls. So this guy definitely doesn't get countered at any point. And so you now you also make room for all your other non-creature spells that you get to resolve now. Because you killed the counterbalance. I, uh, so this guy, I awesome. sometimes bring awesome. a version of elves to the store that runs 16 lords. And people <laughs> always put you on combo elves. And then they... They die on like the third turn to a Jorga Warcrawler that's been Bounty of the Hunt, uh, uh, Bounty of the Hunted, and uh, this guy, <laughs> this guy will definitely go in that in that deck, which is a beating. <clears throat> elves is a lot. I less mean, it still doesn't really kill kill humility, but you can still operate pretty well under humility. Yeah, yeah that's true. Especially uh, with Pendlehaven that I recently uh, included in my list, and it's super super awesome. I approve of of any Legends cards, um, especially Pendlehaven. Uh, all right, so so that's our set reviews. So nothing too exciting, but that's the great part of being an internal player is you don't have to buy a whole lot of cards to continue playing your format. Um, anything else we wanted to cover? We lost uh, we lost Matt. Um, any any recent tournaments you guys have played in or uh, interesting anecdotes? Uh, I I have I have an interesting anecdote. I'm gonna pull up the picture so that I can uh, read the board state out. In round four oh, yeah. yesterday, I played against Casca Balance, and I had never clicked that thread on the source. I thought Casca Balance was a Cascade Counterbalance deck, which it is not. It is a Cascade Restore Balance deck. So uh, I so, I have uh, played against this. Go on, yeah. My uh, so my ending board state when I won the game on uh, in round four, I had Counterbalance, Rest in Peace, Helm, Humility, Meddling Mage, and Ether Throwing Cannonist all in play. He has Chromanticore, Bloodbraid Elf, and then some guy I had never seen. It was like a suspend seven. Whenever something goes to your graveyard, you can remove a time counter from it. It was a four four with flying. But when No 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 no. It's a four four with fear. That is Nihilith. Yeah. Abrupt decay that motherfucker. <laughs> but when he cast uh when he cast Chromanticore, like I looked at my board and I already had the Aether Sworn Cannonist and I had the Meddling Mage out. And I show him my hand. I'm like, I could force this, but I want to let Chromanticore resolve in Legacy. <laughs> I played against this deck maybe three weeks back when I was on Dega. And game one, I was fortunate 
to have a ton of removal, but he he kept playing the invasion sacklands, and I I thought maybe he was on Jockle Hops, which is you know every budget neckbeard's favorite card. Um, so I was holding back a couple of lands and a, a sorts of plowshares, and he tried to nut me with um, Blood Braid, uh, sorry, sack all my lands, Blood Braid Elf, and he actually hit. I think he went Blood Braid, Shardless, Restore Balance, and almost got me, but I had Sandbag, Land, and two Swords Splashers, so I squeaked that game out. Game two, he fucking wrecked me with some giant fucking spider. Are you familiar with this Cascading Spider? <laughs> yeah, I, it costs like six and two colored mana, so it yeah. can cascade into the entire deck. Are we still, still talking about yes, Legacy? Yes, we are talking yes. about Legacy deck. Sorry, I said spider. Cascades. It is a fucking worm. It's it's just cascade blank. Oh, box. okay. Five, okay, five that makes it six. better. Yeah. So he he just had the nut draw of like the correct invasion land go, the correct invasion land go, untap crystal vein, enlisted worm, hit blood braid, fucking shardless, fucking restore balance, wipe everything you own, then resolve my three creatures, one of which has haste. And beat the shit out of you. And then game three, I e tutored for an enlightened or for an uh, either swarm cannon, and this whole deck turned into a giant pile of shit. So af- after I finished beating this guy 2-0, he said, "Well, do you want to play a couple more games just for fun?" And I said, "Do you want to play against? You want to play your legacy deck against my modern deck?" And he was like, "Oh, okay. I guess that'll be fine." I'll be like, "How about I go first since I'm playing modern?" And he's like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine." I go, "Island Island Serum Visions go." He plays one of the weird lands. I go, uh, "Scalding Tarn Pass." He plays another weird land. End of turn, I fetch for a uh, for a red blue shock. Comes in tapped, Un- uh, untap, draw my card for the turn. Play an island, play blood moon. He goes, he he looks at it and he goes, yeah. So I guess uh, game two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that deck is fucking hilarious. Also, chalice on zero, a problem for that deck. Well, that the other thing that's funny about this deck, uh, the entire thing is super cheap. Like a guy at the store just offered to give me almost the entire thing because he wanted to see me play it. Yeah. Yeah. I think blood braid elf is your high man in there. I don't know. What's a chromantic or worth. I don't keep up with standard. It can't be much. Yeah. It's the, the entire deck is worth like less than one dual land, like less than one plateau. Right. Do people take decks like that to, to like Star City Games tournaments or is that just like local meta? Oh, people I mean, probably I fucking do. played against a Kark's Thumb deck at a GP. I mean, people, <laughs> people spend... Sam was there. I have pictures. Uh, I mean, people will spend 40 to $50 to just take a pet deck and get absolutely fucking ruined. I mean, they're and the reason the... you're able to play in GPs. They're, they're the jobbers that, that the whole money pyramid relies on. You know? Well, and that's the, uh, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, that's why buys are so important, because a deck like that will just randomly, like, oh, it turns out all your spells cost four or more, so my counterbalance does absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can keep a land on top and get restored balance out of the way, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, this happens all the time at Star Cities. There's just random decks, or somebody will just crawl out of the woods because they hear a GP is nearby and play Mole Worms, Nether Void. Ice Storm deck that they've had for 15, 20 years. It happens a lot in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. There are many pockets of people without the internet in the woods that just come out and, and uh, go to these things. So, guys, I just got a message from uh, you might not know him, Trukas Marcus Ewald, um, who top aided the ba- uh, Bazaar of Moxen with Mercus, and he just sent me a message, and it's only like a link to a, to a screenshot of Magic Online, and his only comment is, "It happened." 
So Marcus is testing out Karanos in Miracles right now, and he just sent me a link, and it shows Karanos attacking, and it's <laughs> it's so absurd, and a better skull equipped to Karanos. Oh I have no God. idea what matchup this is, but he's got like a f I can't even read it. What's it like? Eleven, thirteen? I don't know. Vigilance, lifelink, indestructible, <laughs> and yeah, draws a card or shoots in the upkeep. This is insane. <laughs> the game ended on turn 12. Trukas has won the game, Trukas has won the match. So, shout out to Marcus for an awesome move here. I do have one more, and I know Sean will appreciate this. Uh, there's a guy at our store who bounces around decks a lot, like I do, but uh, he keeps trying to play Miracles decks. But uh, And he's very frustrating to watch, because I've been playing Countertop for like four or five years, so like he, he just he does those things that a new Countertop player doesn't do quickly. Like He takes like 10 or 15 seconds to top every time, and... Uh, a guy playing against him played True Name Nemesis, and he goes, ha, and flips over a uh, wear tear. And uh, the guy played the True Name Nemesis was like, cool, so True Name resolves. Like, no, it's three. And I'm like 20 feet away, and I hear them call the judge, and he just holds up wear tear. And I, like, I can't even hear the conversation. He holds up wear tear, and I just like go on this rage about how, you know what, if you play Counterbalance and you don't know every single converter mana <laughs> cost in your deck, throw that card away. <laughs> Worth noting, you do you do take five if you flip it with or a three if you flip it with Bob, right? So yes, because its yeah. converted mana cost is one and two, so you lose one and two life. So whenever a card asks for the for the mana cost, it gets two answers, and in case of Bob, you just take damage twice now. Correct. Or lose life, not take damage. Yes, I had uh, like I said, I've been playing almost twice a week for the last few weeks. So I've had all kinds of stupidity. I've had. Uh, I had I was on painter I was on Cavern of Humans Painter Stone with like the full four recruiters four trinket mages um, like a red blue build and um, I had a guy on Tinfins and uh, so I get a painter down and I grindstone him and I'm thinking to myself doesn't that deck play an Emrakul and I kind of kick myself mentally thinking oh you fucking idiot I think that deck plays an Emrakul and he says so I get milled out and I say well. I mean, and I explain the interaction between Grindstone and Painter, so you continue milling cards, and they're always going to match, so, yeah, I mean, essentially your whole deck will be milled, and your library will be in the graveyard. And he goes, okay, and he goes to the next game, and he flips his library over, and there's the Emrakul. So, he declined to reshuffle his library and crush me. The next game, he, uh, I get Painter out again, and I, I have a game-winning play, and he goes, ah, I just needed another blue card. <laughs> and his hand has, like, force and land in it. <laughs> yeah, yep. Well, you know, the other thing that's funny about that is that he conceded and then chose to show you his deck. Yeah, yeah. Because if you deck. concede, you do not have to show your deck. <laughs> he just put it together. The, the same guy didn't know what Fairy Macabre did um, and was playing a reanimation strategy. Um, didn't bring in Pything Needles versus Carvin, Cavern of, you know, Artificers and whatnot. I had the luxury or the pleasure of Slaughter Games in a High Tide player a few weeks ago. That was fucking awesome. Um, and he hadn't put a High Tide in his wish board, so that deck performs poorly when it has no High Tide. Low Tide. Low Tide is not a strategy. <laughs> the lowest of tides. So do you just auto-concede when they take away your High Tides? Uh, he kept playing and mumbling about some way he could win, and I didn't quite know what that was going to be, but... Anyway, I don't know. It's funny, though, when you slaughter game somebody and their hand is like force, force, fluster storm, fluster storm. It's just, <laughs> it's just very gratifying. I mean, 
in theory, he could like still win by chaining untap effects and time spirals, and then going for like cunning wish, brain freeze. Yeah. Uh, time spiral, some more untap effects, get another brain freeze. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, and a, cu- a couple weeks prior to that, I was playing a bug deck that had most of the good cards that a bug deck would have, but it also had two Mystic Snakes and a Notion Thief. And it's worth noting that against High Tide, Mystic Snake is a fucking fisting. Because all of their counters, besides Force, are like, you know, soft counters, Flusterstorms, etc. So he time spirals or does does his winning play with, like, double Flusterstorm backup, and I just simply Mystic Snake him. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Why are you playing Mystic Snake in Legacy? Because he's trolling the people at his store. Yeah, it's a $5 <laughs> local, so I've got this bug shell with all the... Oh, it was a bug shell with, like, deeds and other things. So Mystic Snake A is in the mid-game, is a four-mana thing, doesn't die to D or Abrupt Decay, and it's pretty much a hard counter. Like, nobody can deal with it. They can't... You can't spell pierce it. You can't fluster storm it. I mean, I'm a big fan of Mystic Snake in, like, casual or wherever because it's so mystic, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, Legacy! Know, if I'm going to two locals a week for me to bring some fucking deck off the some 75 from the latest star city i mean i'm just going to be bored at bored to tears flipping delvers so i try to throw at least half a dozen cards in, in decks that are at least interesting and are way better in corner cases so in that case mystic snake was superior so was notion thief also against high tide it's worth noting that card. notion thief th- that card is awesome i really like that card it is beating. i mean it should maybe even see a slightly more play because if shardless buck becomes bigger Maybe you want to play Notion Thief because it doesn't die to Abrupt Decay, and if you get that in in response to, like, let's say, Ancestor Visions, the deck has no way to actually remove it. So, in a mirror match. Yeah, and it's, it's a beating. It's a beating against Brainstorm, Ancestral Visions, a Resolve Jace. Uh, it's just, just, yeah. Cool. just a beating. Yeah. It's also interesting, we recently had a tournament in Munich, and one of the guys had Notion Thief. But I feel he wasn't quite aware of how potent the card is. Because he had Notion, th- uh, Notion Thief in play, and then he played Vendillion Click and targeted himself because he really wanted to draw a card. And I was looking at it and I was like, so why didn't you just uh, target the opponent? No, no, I want to draw. Y- yeah, you would draw the card. <laughs> and I mean, I- I'm not the kind of guy who-, who makes fun of these people to make them feel bad. But I really like telling people, like showing them new new ways to play the game. And then the moment you see it, see it in their face that, that they are like, oh, I mean, that's awesome. To, to put people like on a new level and see them make better plays, that's, I don't know. I used to be a, a football coach, so I, I kind of like educating people on things that they are doing wrong. Well, I don't understand football, so... Um... Uh, you have to understand, the World Cup is starting next week. I don't. Because we are actually playing. I'm an we are playing the Americans in the group stages. Well, I'm an American of Irish and Spanish descent, so America sucks at soccer, and we're basically apathetic to it. I imagine that the Irish team is too drunk to travel to Brazil and actually win. Um, all right, I guess that about wraps this up. Sam, you want to? Feedback is always appreciated. Email us at everydayeternalcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everydayeternalpodcast or follow us on Twitter at eternalmtg.